An unlucky time traveler gets stuck in the worst time period in the worst country possible. And then we take a look at a story of a missing woman. One moment she was on a cruise ship with her family, the next morning she was never seen again. Or was she? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I literally just walked in the door. That's the sound of my backpack hitting the ground. Throw in my umbrella because it's raining up here. I'm going to open up my backpack. I got some soft drinks in here. Try something different. I normally come home and relax a bit. And I was like, you know what? Let's just do it. Let's do it. Let's do this episode. So let's go ahead and jump right into this thing. Now, where did I put my water? We sell, there's this little Hispanic shop up in the Heights, which is the upper part of Hood River. Where did it go? Better be in there. There it is. They sell CBD-infused water. This is really uncomfortable the way I'm sitting. Hold on a second. I've never recorded a podcast with my shoes on before. Okay, let's try that. I still have my shoes on, though. CBD-infused water. I'm going to give this a drink. Okay. Let's go ahead and... We're not walking because I just got... My feet hurt because I just walked all the way home. Let's go ahead and take the Dead Rabbit Dirigible. And we are going to fly to Moscow. Going to Moscow. The year is 1985, so we're floating over. We probably shouldn't have brought the Dead Rabbit Dirigible because all the buildings over there are super pointy and it might, like, scrape the side of it, and then we're totally boned. But anyways, we're, we're in Moscow. We're in the year 1985. And there's this dude named Vadim... I'm sorry, guys. I don't know why I pick, pick stories that take place in other countries. There's this dude named Vadim Cherbobarov. Cherbobarov. That would be unfortunate to have Bobo anywhere in your name. Hey, Bobo. I heard you're a time-traveling physicist because that's who Vadim was. Well, okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. So this guy walks up, and his name, this dude's name, and this is an English translation of a Russian name, Eugene Gayduck. Okay, so I'm sure there's a little more to it, but it's like gay duck, gay duck ock, gay duck ock. Gay duck ock. So, anyways, gay duck. He's walk. He walks into this dude's house. He walks. Probably not his house. That's probably a little too personal. He walks into his laboratory. We'll say. We'll get into more about Vadim in a bit. But gay duck walks into this uh, researcher's thing, and he goes. First thing he says to this guy, he goes, "I am from the twenty third century." Then he takes a drink of CBD infused water. Now, Vadim is instantly enthralled by this guy. Bit of a crush, honestly. He's like, ooh, so handsome looking. And he's from the 23rd century. That's more what I should focus on. They start talking. And Vadim's like, so why did you come to me? And Gayduck is like, well, you're going to write a bunch of papers. You're going to be instrumental in the work on this time machine. And Vadim goes, what? I've never written anything about time machines ever. And Gayduck goes, but you will. Vadim, head explodes, heart flutters. So, Gayduck starts telling Vadim this story. He goes, this is what happened. I was 12 years old in the 23rd century. Not 12 years old now, otherwise all that flirting stuff comes off as really weird. I'm 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 a middle-aged man when I'm meeting you in 1985. It's totally appropriate that you have a crush on me. But in the 23rd century, I was 12 years old. 
And I wanted to impress a young girl, because even two centuries in the future, that's all boys can think about, apparently. And he goes, I want to impress this girl, and what better way to impress a girl than by stealing a functional time machine, which, to be fair, is a pretty good way to impress a girl. So, me and this girl, I stole the time machine, and I told this girl, hey, let's go back in time. And so we went back in time to 1930s Russia. Because everyone knows that is the height of safety and security in Russia. It was truly a paradise, 1930s Russia. If I had a time machine, that'd be the first place I'd go. 1930s Russia, we go back there, and the time machine breaks. And I realized, the freezing cold, <laughs> people are starving all over the place. This probably wasn't a good place to go on a first date. And the time machine can only take one of us back to the future. And Gayduck said it may not even take one of us. I mean, he, he, the way he tells the story is that, the, to be fair to him, the they may have been trying to go to another time period and the machine broke. But regardless, he ended up on, on a first date with this girl in 1930s Russia. If you're going to go to Russia, that is really the one time period you don't want to be in. Especially if you're a time traveler, because you know what's coming up. So anyways, he goes, listen, only one of us. This machine will only take one of us. And she's like, I'll do it. I'll do it. I will send back help for you. I really wish I could have become Mrs. Gay Duck. But the fates have other things in store. I will take this time travel machine into the future. And I will send back help. Wink, wink. And he's like, oh, she must have something in her eye. She must be winking at me. This was the best first date ever. So she gets in the time machine. And he's stuck in 1930s Russia, obviously, because now it's 1985, and he's a much, much older man. Now, there's a lot of stuff wrong with this story. Now, uh, what's funny is that this is one of those stories that seems to be... I find a lot of resources on it, but it's they're not generally in English. I found one main resource in English. It was Anom Alien. It's a website I go to quite often. And the rest of the resources obviously were in Russian. So I had to run a Russian translation on it. And they were hilarious to read. I almost just wanted to read the article to you. And then I figured, ah, so that's a little derivative. Every other podcast does that. I want to just read the article to you because the translation errors are so hilarious. But I'm not going to do that. But really what I'm saying is that it's, it doesn't seem to be a super obscure time travel story. And he goes on to tell Vadim... This is what happened. So he's left in 1930s Russia, and he's just like a, a kid. Totally doesn't know what to do. He gets adopted by these people. He ends up getting a job, and then he gets sent to Siberia. So Stalin gets a hold of him. Stalin personally finds him, pulls him out of the workplace by the scruff of his neck, throws him to Siberia. He goes to Siberia. He's the smartest guy in Siberia, so everybody likes him. Then he joins the Red Army. And people are, like, super nervous, and they're like, Britain's going to attack, Britain's going to attack any day. And he's like, listen, I know for a fact Britain will not attack Russia, and actually we're going to become allies with them, and we're going to fight the Nazis. And the other Russian soldiers are like, what? And it turns out he was right. So he got promoted, which really shows the state of the Russian military, that if you can be, like, make a educated guess about something, you move up in the ranks. So anyways... He ends up, the war ends, Russia wins. He's like, that's not what happened in my timeline. Ah, I don't know what's going to happen next. He, he was a German slave. The whole world was conquered by the Nazis in his timeline. No. So he, he, the, Russia wins the war, spoiler alert. Well, they win their half of the war, at least. USA, USA. And then he ends up running a museum 
of like oddities or something like that. And in this museum, he has this thing called the the tall tape, which again I think is just a translation error. It was a giant, from what I understand, mostly a translation error. He had a giant like ticker tape type thing that went all the way up a wall, and at the top was the history of the world from the Stone Age to the 21st century. And this was 1985, so he had stuff from next century. Which, he's from the 23rd century, so he should have even more, but but to be fair, he, he wanted to keep us hanging. So, he's telling Vadim this story, and he goes, I will tell you some stuff that's going to happen in the future, so you will know I'm a time traveler. And Vadim's like, okay, tell me, are we going to go out on a date too? And Gay Duck's like, no, but maybe. No, this is what's going to happen in the future. Bor- There's a guy named Boris Yeltsin who's going to become president. Vadim's like, hmm, interesting. He goes, Soviet Union's going to collapse. And Vadim's like, yes. And he said there's going to be a war in Yugoslavia. And he's like, oh, that's interesting. Regional news. Do you have any other thing? Do you know anything else about the future? And Gayduck goes, well, here's the thing. I traveled back in time when I was 12. So that's kind of all I know. I knew that Britain wasn't going to attack Russia. I knew that we would win the war. Didn't foresee myself being thrown in a concentration camp. That was unfortunate. But... I didn't. I was 12 years old when I traveled back in time, so I don't have a lot of experience. Like, I don't know a lot. I didn't take advanced history in high school. And then Vadim eventually passed away, like all people do. He eventually passed away in, except Enoch, he passed away in the year 1991. And whenever you read an article on him, there's always this phrase. It says he died in 1991, and then it's followed by the phrase, two centuries before he was born. Dun, dun, dun. And everyone kind of accepts his story. It's one of those stories that it's obscure in the West, but it seems to be fairly common in the East. And you go, well, Jason, he did predict the rise of Boris Yeltsin. He did predict this war in Yugoslavia that I have no idea whether or not it actually happened. I'm not a, I'm not knowledgeable in Eastern European politics. I'm assuming it did. But there's two things missing from this story. One, the, the prophecies that didn't come true. So we always get the three cherry-picked prophecies. He also said at one point part of Russia was going to be flooded and then there was going to be a giant spaceport built in Russia, which, good luck with that. So, we don't know if he made... Uh, he's like, oh yeah, and then, you know, Margaret Thatcher is going to turn into a dictator and take over. Like, there's no prophecies that we know that are wrong. Secondly, there's some big prophecies missing from being... If you were from the 23rd century, and you knew about a Yugoslavian war, you would know about 9-11. Because that came out of the blue, it changed everything. You wouldn't know, if you know about Boris Yeltsin, you know about Vladimir Putin, who's been in power for what, 20 years now? Like, if there, if you, Boris Yeltsin is a footnote in history. Back then, he was important. But nowadays, who? Like, I know who Boris Yeltsin is because I grew up with Boris Yeltsin. Not like literally, he wasn't like my neighbor or anything, but he was the, oh yeah, after, Gorbachev left, you had Yeltsin and all this stuff, and he was the first guy after the fall of the Soviet Union. So, I mean, like, I know who that guy is, but if someone asked me to name a president of Russia, the first person I would say would be Putin. Second one would be Gorbachev. And he was a premier or whatever, a chancellor, whatever the term is. But you know what I mean? Like, if, if you said name a leader of Russia, you'd say, the, you'd probably say him in that order. So, it's very, very unlikely that this guy is actually a time traveler. Very unlikely. Because there's just too many gaps missing. Also, you think about it, so Vadim, and I said we'll cover him in a second, but Vadim plays a part in the development of an actual time machine. And if this guy is buddy-buddy with Vadim, 
And he successfully built a time machine, and he's in the history books in the 23rd century, because he knew about him. He knew to go to this guy. Wouldn't then Gayduck's name also pop up around Vadim so the people in the future would know there was a time traveler stranded and then would come back to get him? You could say he was trying to send the distress message by hanging out with this guy who was going to be instrumental in building a time machine, but he never got rescued. You think if he was really a time traveler, they would have sent back a rescue party once his name started to get out in the media. But a more interesting question about this story is why, when it's so obviously the guy's either delusional, he's lying, he's really a time traveler, which is unlikely, or he was trying to make money, why do people still recycle this story? It seems like it would just be a curious story that just kind of disappeared and it was never translated into English. It just sounds so foolish. Well, the reason is this. This is a little cliffhanger for tomorrow. Because it's way too much to talk about in one episode. Vadim did work on a working time machine. At least that's what people believe in Russia. That this man who met a time traveler did end up successfully inventing a time machine. That not only was able to kill cockroaches and small mice, but may have teleported humans to the end of the world. We'll get into that story tomorrow. You like that teaser? You like that teaser? I was going to put them both in the same episode, and I thought, nah, too much time travel. Let's let's get a little tease going on. Get you guys back tomorrow. Vadim and his time machine. Let's go ahead and move on to our second story, though. Our next story I actually had ready to go two seasons ago. And I never did it. It's kind of depressing. It's a very kind of dark story. And I was going to do an episode a long time ago about missing people, a theme week about missing people, and this is one of the stories I came up with, and I thought about it, but I go, that's a little dark, it's a little depressing, but I've thought about it on and off over the months. Like, it keeps kind of popping up in my head, because it's still so, it's just so creepy, because it's more than just a missing person story. It's something just more darker than that. So let's go ahead. We'll hop back on the Dead Rabbit Dirigible. You're like, dude, I don't, I don't, I don't want to go to a depressing story. I'm like, come on, man. We're both all like Eeyores, just kind of moping about getting on the Dead Rabbit Dirigible. Keep it as light as possible until it gets dark. So we're flying around the Dead Rabbit Dirigible. We're actually going out to a cruise ship. And you know what they do on cruise ships? They generally take off their shoes. I'm going to do that right now because my feet are killing me. Ugh. The year is 1998, and we're going to board a Caribbean cruise. That's the name of the boat, I think. Oh, great. Here we go. I don't like getting that mixed up in my notes this early on. The the cruise ship is either called the Caribbean Cruise, or it is a cruise around the Caribbean. Sorry, guys. I mean, I've had this story ready to go for months, and I missed such a key detail. We're going to... The boat... The boat is called the Caribbean Cruise... And they're going on a cruise around the Caribbeans, which would make sense. We're hanging out. This is depressing. I don't want to hang out with these people. We are in the cabin next to the Bradleys. So you have the Mom Bradley. You have, this is like the Berenstein Bears. I'm okay. You have Mom Bradley. You have Dad Bradley. I didn't write their names down either. I'm not going to blame you if you jump the episode now, but this story is really interesting. You have Mom Bradley, Dad Bradley. Brother Bradley, 
And then Amy Lynn Bradley. She's 23 years old. So I think you know who the focus of this story is. They go on the cruise ship. They're having a good time. They're partying. All-you-can-eat buffet. There's like shrimp cocktail. I haven't eaten dinner yet. So this food description is going to go on for a bit. There's like shrimp cocktails and steaks. Big, steamy, juicy steaks. You can actually see the little sizzle lines come off of them like a cartoon. Crab cakes. There's um, seahorses that you can eat, like live seahorses. You just reach into a tank and eat them. All the foods you want, pancakes. Mmm, pancakes. All the foods you could want on a cruise ship. Cheese, omelets, everything, right? Little seahorses in them, too. I wonder if you can eat a puffer fish. Anyways, I'll find out. I'm, I'm at the buffet. You can, you can go about this creepy story. I'll be at the buffet for the rest of the story. So you're walking around the cruise ship all by yourself, and you see Amy Lynn Bradley just kind of partying down, having fun with some new friends. She met new friends on the boat, and you're just kind of watching her from across the dance floor. Jesus, Jason, this story. There's no saving this. You're, you're, now you're a creepy person watching her dance to 19... Did I say this story took place in 1998? The story takes place on March 24th, 1998. So you just looked at your watch. You looked at your Casio watch, and you're like, oh, March 24th, 1998. You're watching this young woman boogieing down with her new friends. Then Amy and her brother say, ah, you know, bye new friends, see you later, we're going back to our cabin. Because the mom and dad have a cabin, and then the brother and the sister don't, this doesn't get weird like that. The mom and dad have a cabin, and the brother and sister have their own cabin, right? And they're next to each other, and then our cabin is next to the brother and sister, okay? And I'm still at the buffet, and you're like, hey, dude, they're leaving, they're leaving, we gotta tell them. And I'm like, ugh. I grab, I have uh, Ziploc baggies sewed into my suit, stuff in my pockets full of food. I follow you. Now, everyone's just now chilling in the cabin. And what happens is Amy Lynn and her brother are kind of sitting out in the balcony of their cabin, just talking. It's nighttime now. We have like a listening device. We're in the next, we're total creepers in this story. We're in the next cabin. It's totally wired so we can hear everything going on. And the dad shows up. And now the dad's out there talking on the balcony. And then the dad's like, well, I got to go to bed. So he goes, leaves. And then the brother's like, I got to go to bed too, Amy. And she's like, okay, that's fine. I'm going to stay up for a bit longer. I'm going to sit on this balcony and uh, just hang out. And they're like, that's weird. Why'd you pause like that? And she goes, I don't know. Maybe it'll be my last words. Hmm? How grim is that? So brother goes in the bedroom. He's totally disturbed. He goes in the bedroom. Now at 5.15 in the morning, the dad wakes up and he looks over because the balcony, you know, the cabins are next to each other. He looks over from his balcony. He sees Amy asleep on her balcony. So he's like, oh, you know, daughter's asleep outside. It's a beautiful view. She just fell asleep to the sounds of the sea at night. But then it's 6 a.m. So 45 minutes later, dad walks back out on the balcony. She's not there. And now, now you're not going to be suspicious right away. If you are in a relaxed state, if you went home and your buddy was sleeping on your couch, and then you went and you showered and you ate some delicious mm, shrimp cocktails and pancakes. And then you came out and you saw your buddy was gone. You wouldn't call up the police and be like, you need to issue an Amber Alert. You would just be like, oh, my buddy must have gone somewhere else. But as the day goes on, the dad starts to realize she's gone. She hasn't come back to the cabin. Nobody knows where she's at. So he alerts the ship officials. He calls up the captain and he's like, Captain, my daughter's missing. She's nowhere to be found. And the captain's like, did you check the buffet? He's like, yes. Did you check the dance floor? Yes. Did you check the... Yes, yes, captain. I've checked everywhere. That's what I'm calling you. 
so the boat people, the sailors, the crew, crew is the word I'm looking for. They're not like Popeye sailors. They're like, quit rigging those masks. We have to find a missing girl. They're just crew members. They begin searching the boat looking for the girl. And while the search is going on, the boat docks. And the father pleads with the captain, don't let anyone off the boat until we find the daughter. And the captain's like, we've searched everywhere on this boat. There is not a place on this boat that we have not, we searched up and down, we searched in the hold, we searched up in that steam pipe. We've searched everywhere for your daughter. She's not on this boat. It's possible she fell off. It's possible that we've missed her. No, I didn't say that. It's possible that she fell off. It's possible that she's not missing at all, but she's not on the boat. Boat unload. So anyways, at that point, the family calls to the FBI. And they're like, our daughter's missing. We can't find her. The captain let everyone get off the boat. They said they searched every part of the boat, but we can't find our daughter. The FBI gets involved. They begin investigating it, and they talk to the captain. And as the captain is telling them, oh, no, no, we searched everywhere in the boat, the FBI realize and eventually are able to prove that's not true. The whole ship wasn't searched. There were parts of the ship that was never checked. And as the FBI began interviewing people who were hanging out with her that night, hanging out with Amy at the dance club, two women came forward and said, we saw Amy hanging out with a guy named Yellow. He was a member of a band. And we saw her going with him in an elevator up to the top floor after she had disappeared. The FBI begins to spread out, really researching this, trying to figure where this missing girl is. So they talk to a taxi cab driver. They, you know, they're talking about the locals. So they talk to a taxi cab driver. He goes, when the boat was unloading, a woman matching the description, because they didn't just say, hey, did you find a missing girl? And the taxi cab driver's like, I'm glad you asked. Like, they're showing photos, right? Taxi cab driver goes, ah, yeah, yeah, I saw that girl. It was super weird, officers or federal agents. When she gets off the boat, she comes up to my taxi. I thought she needed a ride. And she was like, can I use a phone? And this is 1998. We don't have no cell phones. I don't even know what that is. And and I said, the phones, the pay phones that we use, they're right there, miss. And I pointed in a direction, and she turned and did a walk in the other direction. Can you believe that? The FBI agents are like, that might be the worst impression ever of a taxi cab driver, but that is an odd detail. She disappears. The FBI can't find her. The family can't find her. She's gone. Later that year, there was a guy visiting Caraco. This guy, his, his, his name was David, was walking down the beach with a buddy. And he's, you know, they're just talking and stuff like that. Be like, hey, man, this beautiful sunset, isn't it? And the other guy's like, yeah, ever since I gave him a job as a taxi cab driver, I spend more time looking at these sunsets. And David's like, why do I hang out with this guy? He's so annoying. But in front of them was a woman flanked by two guys and they're walking in front of them so you have the woman the two guys walking and a couple feet behind you had david and his taxi cab buddy and they're talking loudly and they're talking in english and the woman turns around and david got the impression that she understood what they were saying and she started to say something but then one of the men steps in front of her like cuts her off and just looks at the two guys and then the group continues walking on and David thought, that's weird. It was a weird feeling. He goes, it's almost like, because we're in a foreign country, it was like she'd finally met someone else who spoke English. She wanted, she had something to say to them, but they, she was cut off. Later, he ends up watching America's Most Wanted. He sees this case. He sees the woman's photo and says, I know her. She was on the beach. Sees the same thing, Unsolved Mysteries. See, that's all apparently he watches are these shows. 
recognizes her, I saw her on the beach, begins researching the case, sees a photo of that man, Yellow. He was also on that beach. He recognized him as one of the guys who flanked her. She had a tattoo that he remembers seeing on the girl walking on the beach, calls up the dad, says, hey, does your daughter have a tattoo here? And dad's like, yes. 1999. There's a guy in the Navy. He's aboard the USS Chandler, right? And... He goes to an illegal brothel. He's on shore leave. He goes, I ah, forget those regular brothels. I'm going to an illegal brothel. He's sitting in the bar. He sees two women with two men. And he's just drinking, looking for something illegal to do. He's like, oh, okay, I wonder if I could bang that houseplant. Would that be illegal? I don't know. Eventually, the two men get up. And one of the women turns to him and says, They've got my papers. And I can't leave the island. My name is Amy Bradley. Don't forget it. And he's sitting there with his drink in hand. Look, he came to do something illegal. Now he's being told that a woman named Amy Bradley, is how he heard the name, is trapped on the island. They took her documents, passports, things like that. She can't leave. And he tells her, go to the ship, go to the USS Chandler, and ask for help. Keeps drinking. The two dudes come back, and she just turns back and just sits there. He didn't do anything. For, he, even by his own account, he forgot about the story for several years. He was reading People magazine one day, sees a photo of Amy Bradley, and goes, that was the girl in the illegal brothel. The FBI investigated Yellow. They did track him down. He was a member of the band on the cruise ship. He had a paper trail. They could find him. And he did get interviewed by them, but they've never revealed what Yellow told them. He was never charged either. In 2005, this is where it gets really dark. Because now we're looking at seven years later. This woman has had two opportunities to escape. One was just a guy walking down the beach with his buddy. And maybe the woman was trying to say something, but time had passed. The other one was a member of the U.S. military who didn't help a woman who said she was trapped. But 2005. There is a group that is dedicated to trolling the internet looking for sex trafficking victims. Ads on websites like Backpage, pornography, things like that. Looking for women who seem to be held against their will. They have to go all, it's a despicable job. Not that they're doing it, it's a great job that they're doing it, but it's just a thankless job. Because you're constantly having to consume all of this horrible stuff in the hopes you can find something that helps somebody out. And while they're going through all these websites and advertisements and things like that, they find Amy Lynn Bradley, seven years later online. They send a photo of her from an adult website, from a pornography website, to the Bradleys, and said, is this your daughter? And they say, yeah. The Bradleys get invited onto the Dr. Phil show. Dr. Phil show has forensic artists come in, look at the picture, and say, this is what she would look like seven years later. This is her. You know, the thing, it's funny, because whenever you hear people who have lost people who have gone missing and things like that, a common refrain you hear is, I just want to know. I just want to know what happened. And I always thought, if someone close to me went missing, and I didn't know they had died. I could at least think maybe they're living a better life somewhere. Maybe they wanted a new life and they wanted to 
have a fresh start. So they left on their own accord, and they were working as a waitress somewhere in Des Moines. A fresh start. But reading stories like hers really puts that into perspective. Because they just don't know. If it had turned out that she'd fallen off the boat, or committed suicide, or even had been murdered by somebody and dumped, or they found the body somewhere on the boat, the story is over. But knowing that seven years after the fact, a screenshot of a piece of pornography that she's in exists and was made long after she was captured would keep you up at night. And now we're here in the year 2019. 21 years now after she was kidnapped. And it's haunting to think that there may be new videos of her out there. But even if there aren't, the fact that there are dozens, maybe hundreds of videos of her over the years is a horrible legacy for a family that just wants answers. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Hey.